Would you say it with me this morning? Know God, be strong, take action. You see, I want this to get into your heart. I want it to get into your spirit. For 2024, I believe that that is a challenge. It is a word from the Lord for you and for me for this new year that we are already in, but we don't know what this new year will bring. We don't know what the future will hold, but thank God we know who holds the future. Can you say amen? Last year, I believe that the Lord laid upon my heart the theme of restoration. The promise from Joel chapter 2, God said, I will restore to you the years that the locusts have eaten. I believe God is a God of restoration. I believe that the devil has stolen some things from us. I believe that we have squandered some things. I believe that we've made some wrong choices. But God is so good, he's a God of God who restores and he promises to bring restoration. In 2023, we saw restoration in some families. We saw some restoration in some marriages. We saw some restoration in people's finances. But how many of you know just because the calendar uh, changes from one year to another and we might have a different theme, that the promise and the word of God for restoration does not end? Can you say amen? Our church... For seven years in a row, seven years in our offerings went up, one year after another after another. In 2022, we, fought, we saw the first decline in our tithes and our offerings, and it was uh, somewhat significant for us, especially when year after year after year you see an increase. So for 2022, we saw a big dip. But how many of you know God is a God of restoration? So we prayed and we believed God and we spoke and we confessed and we wrestled and we prayed and we fasted and we believed for restoration. In 2023, we saw the highest giving we have had in 35 years of our church history. Come on, you could do better than that. Come on, come on, make believe it was for your house. But it is for God's house. God did something supernaturally did something sovereign and also across the board in every ministry we saw in Sunday morning Wednesday night an increase in 2023 of 10% growth across the board that is something remarkable when a lot of churches are either plateaued or are in decline God gave us an increase can you say amen so I want you to hold on to that. I want you to, to get that in your heart and get that in your spirit of what God wants to do in 2024. God wants you to know God. He wants you to be strong, and he wants you to take action. This year, now's the time. We don't, we don't know what God is, might call us to do in 2024. The days that we're living in, Paul prophesied and said that they will be perilous times in the last days, meaning times of great stress. Another translation says dangerous times of great stress and trouble. That is not to be negative. Paul said that. That was written in Scripture. He surely wasn't being negative. He was being realistic. 
but he was also saying that as the people of God stood firm and they preached the word of God and they stood for what is right, God would be glorified in his church and God would bless his people. Can you say amen? How many of you are in Daniel chapter 11? We are trying to encourage people to take the hard copy to church. Amen. How many of you have your Bibles this morning? Don't, don't wave a phone at me this morning. I want to see a hard copy. Amen, amen, amen. Turn to the person next to you say, this is my Bible. Say, where's your Bible? You thought I was going to go into someone else's monologue concerning that. But what is so relevant, what is so strategic is the context this morning of what we're going to look at in Daniel chapter 11. Last week, we had a young missionary that shared a really blessed word. Wasn't that a good word? Amen. And we're going to support him as a missionary. I said, we're going to support him as a missionary. That means as you give regularly, we're able to support missionaries. We're actually adding, I believe, four missionaries at least for this year. I mean, I believe we need to be strong. We need to know God, be strong, and take action. I believe we need to take action in supporting more missionaries. Can you say amen? He talked about the difference between knowing about someone and knowing someone personally. He used the illustration, and, and some of you haters out there, you didn't like that he used Tom Brady, but Tom Brady he used anyway. Amen. He said there's a difference between knowing about him and knowing him personally. And it's the same thing with God and His Word. There's a world of difference. When we talk about knowing the God of the Bible, this is a matter of knowing Him personally and not just knowing about Him. This is critical. There's a difference between being saved and being lost. There's a difference between heaven and hell. Knowing God personally. How critical is that when you know someone personally? This past week, I got a call from the staff, the office. There was a constable that came to the church. Anybody know what a constable is? Uh, you don't necessarily want him coming to, to your home because he usually has a, a document that's looking for money. And uh, amen. Some of you are looking like that happened to you, but just say amen anyhow. So this is a writ of attachment, and this came from the state of Rhode Island. And Pastor Mike was on the phone with me, and I, I was meeting with somebody, and I took the call, and, and, and I knew it was important. And, and he said there was a constable, and he's got a document, and, he's, and he says there's someone uh, that, that um, used to work here or part of our church that, that we owe money, uh, that someone's trying to collect money that they owe, and we're responsible for it. Now, I thought maybe it's somebody that's worked here. Now, I thought of Pastor Mike. I said, no, Pastor Mike, this ain't, this ain't. <laughs> Pastor Maureen, no, it's not, it couldn't be, couldn't be. And you start to think, and, and you know what it is? I knew that I knew that I knew that it couldn't have been anybody that it was either on staff or in leadership because I knew they wouldn't leave us with an $8,500 bill. So, so Pastor Mike said, well, they, they, he won't tell me who it is. I said, you know what? I said, don't worry about it. Take the document. I don't, I'm not, I don't have one ounce of concern or worry because I know that it couldn't be anybody at victory. 
So I got on the phone with the constable, and, and he gave me the name of the person. I said, who in the world is that? I said, I don't know who that person is. I don't even think she ever docked the church, door of this church. So, so we have to take care of that. Um, we're not paying it. We don't know it. We don't even know who this person is, but we do have to call the lawyers and just uh, explain that to them. But, but I had a confidence. I had a peace because I know that I know that I know I know them personally. And see, it makes all the difference, and it's the same thing with God. The Scripture says in Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, I want to read the whole thing because it's important for the context, but I'm going to focus on the second half. Verse 32, Daniel 11, those who do wickedly against the covenant, he will corrupt with flattery, but, everyone say but, but the people who know their God shall be strong, and the New King James says they'll carry out great exploits. There's a contrast in this verse, noted by the word but, signifying there's a shift, signifying there's something in the context that's really powerful that's going to speak to us. I want you to understand something. When you know God, when you know God for yourself, there is a peace. There is a strength. There is a grace. You see, God Almighty, He's infinite. He's awesome. He's mighty. And you know what? For us to be able to know Him, He has to take the initiative. He had to make a move in our direction. He gave us a whole Bible that is a revelation of Himself. In this Bible, there is a revelation of who God is. If you want to know who God is, you've got to learn and you've got to know His Bible. Can you say amen this morning? And the Bible talks about the people who know their God. We have shared with you, I don't know if I, how deeply I shared, but in October of 2023, my wife and I led a tour, a group from our church to the Holy Land. Every morning, every evening, we had scheduled times of devotions. We had times of prayer. We had times of praise. We had times of looking at the scripture. We had times of sharing fellowship with one another. Only God knew that we would be there when a war would break out. One of the first mornings of the prayer time, we, a song was played. Actually, one of the members of our team, one of the members of our church began to sing the goodness of God. Began to lead out in that song, and we began to sing that. We began to worship to that song. Our hearts were touched by it. Little did we know the next day we would go on a boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. And just by God's sovereignty and God's way of speaking, when he says something, he will confirm it. He will make it real to you. He will make it clear to you. Come on, God wants to speak to his people. The Bible says that we're his sheep, and his sheep hear his voice. Every single one of us can hear the voice of God. And God spoke to us in this way. And, and the very first song on that boat was the goodness of God that was sung. 
Our whole team was amazed and, and we were so excited. We began to worship and there were other groups on that, on that boat, but, but we stuck out on that boat because we were worshiping. People were looking at us and they were taking pictures of us. They were taking videos of us. They said, these people are really crazy. They didn't know we were crazy blessed. We were crazy blessed. Amen. And, and, and we, we worshiped and God spoke to our hearts and, and we, we sensed through the Holy Spirit that that was the word for our trip. That that was the word, that his goodness, the goodness of God would be upon us. Little did we know in the middle of our trip, in day five of a 10-day trip, there would be a war that would break out. But you know what? We had a peace. We had a sense of God's presence. We had a confidence in God that he would keep us, that he would be with us. As, as, as horrifying as it was, as scary as it was in a lot of ways, you know what? We had a peace that came from knowing who God is. And he's the same God today for you. You see, we knew God for ourselves. We knew God and we were strong and we were able to take action. You see, in the days that we're living in this chaos and confusion, and you and I need to know God for ourselves. It's not your mother's God. It's not your father's God. Not your husband's God, your wife's God, your friend's God. It's the Lord, my God. Come on, every man of God, every woman of God would declare that. They say it, as the Lord lives, the Lord, my God, shall be with me. This morning, you may have doubted in 2023, you might have been like Thomas who said he wouldn't believe, but when Jesus came to him, you know what he said? He said, my Lord and my God. I don't know where you're at in, in 2024, but I believe God is doing something in your life. I believe God has prepared you for this moment. You are not here by accident. God has a plan. God has a purpose. Matter of fact, many of you, most of you are here this morning because you know God. Let me tell you, the devil will do everything he could do to destroy you, to take you out, to take you down. Jesus said to Simon Peter, said, Simon, Simon, Satan has desired to have you that he may sift you to, as wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith would not fail. To be sifted as wheat is, means to be ground to powder, basically. And the devil would try to do the same thing to you. Don't take it for granted. You are here today because God Almighty has protected you and kept you from the enemy of your soul. If the enemy could have taken you out, he would have taken you out. Believe me. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I believe that the, in 2024, you will come to greater knowledge of God. You will become strong, and you will take action in Jesus' name. Amen. If you receive it, say a loud amen. amen. Let's take a few moments this morning. I want to look at, I want to look at three points. Turn to the person next to you and say, at least this message is not pointless. I want to look at the context this morning. Daniel the prophet, a man of God who had one of the longest 
excuse me, one of the longest prophetic ministry that spanned several kings of, of that day. Several different prophets had come and gone, but Daniel prophesied, and God used him powerfully for, for well over 70 years. But he prophesied, and God used him around 600 B.C. in that time period. God began to reveal future events to Daniel that covered, that, that spoke of hundreds of years in advance in the short term, but also into the actual trip year, uh, the seven-year tribulation. It had a dual reference. In this chapter, Daniel speaks of such political intrigue, international crisis, spiritual and social unrest. In this chapter, in, in, in the 12 chapters of the book of Daniel, we see Daniel prophesying of the Assyrian Empire, Babylonian Empire, Medo-Persian Empire, the Greek and the Roman Empires. But in particular, in this verse, he's dealing with the time of the Greek Empire, which would have been around the year 300 B.C. This, is just, this isn't just Bible history, it's world history. There was a general, when Alexander the Great died, one of, considered in history one of the greatest and most powerful generals in all of history. He conquered the then known world by the age of 30. He died at 32 years old. But he was a mighty conqueror. He influenced culture. He brought in the Greek culture throughout the empire. And, and, and he did such a, an incredible job of, of expanding and, and solidifying the kingdom. When he died, there was such a, a vacuum that not one general can take over, but there were literally four. His kingdom had to be divided by four because no one could take over. One of the generals that came along in 160 B.C. was called Antichus, Antichus Epiphanes. And he came and he began to, to uh, uh, lead conquering armies. And he came and he went all the way down to the south and he went to Egypt and he was ready to attack Egypt. But Rome as a world power was beginning to rise up and they told him stop and go back. And Antiochus Epiphanes, as he called himself Epiphanes, he called himself that because Epiphanes means God manifest. But as he came back, he was so enraged because he was thwarted in his attempt to attacked Egypt, that he came against Jerusalem and he ravaged the city. He pillaged it, he killed, and he did one of the most atrocious and one of the greatest abominations, and that was to sacrifice a pig on the sacred altar of God in the temple. He was desecrating and he was causing a great abomination in the eyes of the people. Not only did he sacrifice a pig, but he also erected an altar to the false god of Zeus from Greek mythology. This, this prophecy, now understand Daniel's writing this around 600 B.C. This isn't happening until 167 B.C. But with prophetic insight and precision from God, supernaturally, he was able to see what was happening before it happened. 
But I want you to understand this also had a dual uh, fulfillment. It was fulfilled in 167 B.C., but it's also a prophecy that we hear about and we find and we see in the book of Revelation when we see the same thing. There will be another who rises up and he will broker a peace deal in the Middle East and in the middle of the seven years of tribulation, he will break that covenant and he will also go into the temple and proclaim himself to be God. I want you to understand something, that what's happening in the Middle East is all preparatory for what's going to happen very soon, very shortly. If you think that that little strip of land called Israel, only the size of New Jersey, why would the eyes of the world, why would the armies of the world, why would everybody be focusing on that? Because of its prophetic significance. It started there and it will end there. And God will protect that, that nation, that plot of ground, because he has a divine purpose for it. Can you say amen? And so we see in the context of what's going on, we see that, that this ruler rises up and, and he comes against the people of God. Now I want to go on to the second point. Here's the concern. Look at verse 32, the first half of it. Now this is talking about this Antiochus general. Those who do wickedly against the covenant, he will corrupt, he will corrupt with flattery. The New American Standard says it this way, by smooth words, he will turn to godlessness those who wickedly forsake the covenant. Another translation says the king, Antiochus, will use deceit to win followers from those who are unfaithful to God. So what happened? What is, the, what is this scripture saying? It's saying that there were some believers at the time of, of this general that came in and did what he did. There were some people that were on the fence that were half-hearted, one foot in, one foot out. They were saved on Sunday, but they were backslidden by Friday night. And the Bible says that he, he through deceit, through flattery, he caused them to turn away from God and to be unfaithful to God. He came into the holy city, he came into Jerusalem, and with smooth words, he won over followers from among God's people. I don't know if you realize how relevant this is. This is a concern because what was happening was he was deceiving those who were followers of God. He corrupted them with smooth words. He polluted their minds. What was happening? The people were divided. Some forsook their covenant with God to embrace the culture of that time. You see, what he brought in as a general, as a leader, he with, with flattery words... What does it mean to flatter someone? It means to say something that they're going to like, but it's insincere, and it's for the purpose of your own agenda. So he was flattering the people, and they were deceived. Why? Because they didn't know their God, and they were not strong. 
I'm telling you, in 2024, church attendance, knowing God, plugging in with God is not an option. It never was. It never will be. But especially, critically, in the hour that we're living in, there is such deception. There are so many lies from the devil that even good people, even good people can be fooled. You see, the issue really was over truth. That's what's, that's what's always at stake right now. You have to understand that. Why are we so, so uh, uh, stern or so serious about this book is because it is the truth of God. Kingdoms and kings will pass away. Ideologies and religions will pass away. But God's word will never pass away. It is the truth. It has always been the crux of the matter. It has always been the issue. The issue has always been what is the truth. Pilate asked that when he was confronted by Jesus. When Jesus was about to be crucified. Jesus said, for this reason I came, and for this reason was I manifested, that I might bear witness to the truth. And Pilate asked, rather cynically and insincerely, he said, what is truth? And he turned away. Jesus said, I am the truth. Hear me this morning. As your pastor, I have a concern I have a concern, there's an urgency of the hour. If you don't know God for yourself, you will be seduced by the deception of the world. Let me say that again. If you don't know God for yourself, you will be seduced by the deception of the world. I see a generation of people deceived by the subtle and the not-so-subtle narrative of our culture, where we have good that is being called evil, and we have evil that is being called good, and Christians many times don't even know the difference. Why? Because they don't have a biblical worldview. What is a biblical worldview? It's a worldview that views everything through the prism of God's holy word. Not through social media, not through your culture, not through what your friends believe, but through God's holy word. The Bible tells us that we have to discern the spirits. Discern the spirits. I'm, 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 I'm afraid that, that there are so many Christians that can't discern The spirits, they can't discern their right hand from their left hand. The truth somehow is not grasped and held on to and and, and cherished and and, and, and cultivated in their life. It's, It's something that slips through their hand like sand. You see, the word needs to be preached in truth and sincerity. But our culture will will condemn it or classify it as hate speech. If we preach the word of God, if we stand on thus saith the Lord, it can be considered hate speech. But you know what? A pastor, a preacher, a teacher, according to the word of God in Ezekiel chapter 3 and Ezekiel chapter 33, God told Ezekiel, he said, I've called you to be a watchman. 
I've called you to be a watchman. He said, when you see the wicked, when you see people sinning, if you warn them, then their blood will be upon their hands. But if you fail to warn them, it'll be your responsibility. Think about that this morning. It's not about pleasing people. It's not about winning friends and influencing people. It's about pleasing God Almighty. And sometimes you've got to tell the truth. You've got to speak the truth in love, and people will not like it. But God said to Ezekiel, I've called you to be a watchman. He said, if, if you see people sitting and you warn them good, if you don't, you're in trouble. I've been to some countries and I've seen some watchmen sleeping. No joke. I, I've been to some, you know, a lot of times they're not really watchmen. They're just they're gatekeepers. They open the gate when... You toot the horn, this big metal fence. Some of you know what I'm talking about. But I've literally, keep tooting the horn, we find out the guy's fast asleep in that little booth. He's supposed to be a watchman. But it's sad. The reality is many churches, many pastors, many preachers sometimes are guilty of the same thing. We fall asleep. We're lulled asleep by the sounds of this culture, by the sounds of this world. Hebrews 13.4 says, marriage is honorable among all, and the bed is undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. I didn't say that. Hebrews 13.4 said it. We're in a day and an age where evil is being called good. Who would have thought we'd get to the place that drugs would be legalized? First, first, the little deception. Instead of trying to boil the frog, we just turned up the heat little by little. And instead of making it rec recreational, first we said, we'll do it for medicinal purposes. That was a lie from the pit of hell. Because you know what came right after that? Legalizing it. So for recreational purposes, we made smoking pot something recreational. Like playing football, playing a game of chess. It's recreational. God help us. Now we have on our TV programs, you cannot watch the Super Bowl. You cannot watch a baseball game, a football game with TV, with TV movie stars and athletes promoting gambling. Let me tell you, before I knew Christ at a young age, I was a gambler. If I was, a lot, if I was not saved today, I would be a degenerate gambler. I'd be in some gutter. I'd be in some prison. I'd be somewhere. I, I love to gamble, but I had to wait to gamble. I had to wait till post time for the dogs or the horses to start running. Uh, and that was one o'clock. And, and after a, a few days, you had to wait for it. Now, 24-7, people can blow their money gambling. Yeah, I don't hear a whole lot of amens, so I, there must be a need to preach this this morning because some people don't even know their right hand from their left hand. I know Christians. I know good Christians. I know there's some people, some churches who won't preach this because it ain't politically correct because you don't want to offend people. You just want members. You just want more people for your own ego. But we need to preach and teach and declare. And we need to be a watchman that warns the wicked. Gambling. I know people who have, who have lost their homes. They've lost their bank accounts. They've lost their marriage because they got addicted. It's an addiction just as much as gambling. I mean, just as much as drinking alcohol and, and, and pornography and, and, and drugs. It's an addiction. 
Evil is called good now. Our culture is sick. Our world is sick. This is, this is my concern, point number two. This is my concern of what's going on. That there is an increase of evil. Matthew 24, verse 12, Jesus said this, Beware of, because of lawlessness. Because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. We're seeing this in our churches. We're seeing this in our, in our, in our world. Because lawlessness is abounding. Let me tell you, if you haven't lived long enough, you don't know what it was like 50 years ago in this country. We went from leave it to beaver, my three sons, to the wicked housewives of wherever you want to call them. We went from couples, married couples, sleeping in two different beds. Do you remember that? Dick Van Dyke, yes, thank you. Thank you for that confirmation. I thought it was him, them. They, lived, they were married, but they slept in two separate beds. Now you want to turn on the TV and who's jumping in bed with who? And that's called entertainment. I take offense to Jersey Shore as an Italian-American. That those, those, I can say some things because I'm Italian, but I won't because somebody will misquote me and misunderstand me. But anyway... The things that we see in our world, if our, if our grandparents, they might not have been even churchgoers. They might have just been good moral people. If they would have come back from the dead and they would have seen what's going on and they would not believe it, it would blow their minds. There's no way you could say it's, it's culturally acceptable or that's just the way of the world or God created people like that. No, man was created in the image of God. We have a sinful nature. We by nature, we by practice, we by our lifestyle have become sinners. It's only by the grace of God can we be saved and transformed. And that's who we are today. We're no better than anyone else. We've just been saved by his grace. But we do have a responsibility to speak the truth in love. There will be an increase in evil in our world. 2 Timothy 3.13 says, Evil men and impostors will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. It's, a, it's sad, but there used to be a day when somebody called themselves a Christian, you can trust them. Someone called themselves a pastor, you could trust them. They had integrity. Now, I don't know if there's any car dealers in here. Don't get offended if you do. You just have integrity. But, but some church people come to me, Pastor, I bought this car and he was a Christian. Christian car dealer. I said, well, <laughs> there's no guarantee. You still have to do your homework. Take it to, I'll tell you where to take it. They'll charge you $75 and they'll do a whole diagnostic test for you. Like Ronald Reagan said, trust but verify. Trust but verify. Come on now. There is an increase in evil. There's an increase in deception. There's an increase in deception. Jesus said in Matthew 24, 11, many false prophets will arise and deceive many. Now see, here's where we, don't, we, we miss it. We think that a false prophet or a, a prophet has to come in a prophetic garb. 
They have to wear a cloak, and then you, you can say, well, he's a true, he's a false. No, a false prophet might not even look like a prophet. They might not even look. They're just what they're saying, the, the lies that they're perpetrating, what they're saying on TV, what they're saying on social media. They can be false prophets. And the Bible says they will deceive many. You see, they'll give enough truth to draw you in, but there'll be enough error to destroy you. So much deception. So much deception. You know what one of the greatest deception, uh, forms of deception is self-deception. That's thinking because you know God or you think you know God that you truly know God. The Bible talks about examining yourself to see whether you be in the faith. I say this not because I'm angry, not because I'm, uh, I'm, I'm mean-spirited, but because I'm fired up and because I care about you and I care about the truth and we have to warn people because this is very serious. There's going to be an increase in compromise in the last days amongst God's people. Jesus said that to a church in the book of Revelation, he says, you're lukewarm. You're compromising, you're complacent, you're giving in to the status quo. You know, there's going to be so much deception. We're coming into a new wave of artificial intelligence. Artificial intelligence is going to, is going to take deception to a whole nother level. Artificial intelligence, basically, without <laughs> giving you a... a accurate definition, it's, it's the ability of a computer or a, a program system to think and act like a human. But even greater, because they can take vast amounts of information available on, on the internet, vast amounts of information, and process it in a few seconds. And, and it is going to affect every area of our life. And the deception is going to become so great, if you don't have your ear tuned to God, you're going to be, de you're going to be deceived by a lot of voices in this world. I want to show you something. Can you bring that video up? Pastor Mike played around. This is not, listen, this is not a political statement. This is just something Pastor Mike played around with. But I just want to show you. Pastor Richard would like to inform you that we will be having an online service tomorrow at 10 a.m., Please be sure to tune in to Victory Church via Facebook tomorrow. There will be such a good move of the Spirit in your living rooms. It will be so good and be the biggest move ever. Better than Biden. Now, Pastor Mike was able to do that with a simple free trial app. Put words in his mouth with his voice to say those words. That's scary. You know, you might think this is pretty, you know, basic, but I know of church people, sometimes they get taken in by these fanciful conspiracy theories, things that get on the Internet, people telling me there's giants in Florida walking around, 10, 12 feet, and wow, is this the end time? There ain't no giants. That's foolishness. But there are so many things on the Internet that false prophets, foolish people, people with an agenda are going to bring forth. It's time for us to get back to knowing God for ourselves. Knowing God, being strong, 
in doing exploits. I'm going to just end it right there, pick it up next week. Would you stand together with me this morning? If the worship team could come back, I'd appreciate that. Amen. Amen. You know, you could be a, a physical giant of sorts. You could have strength, but you could be a spiritual wimp. Or you could be a small person of physical stature, but be a spiritual giant. This morning, I want you to understand that if you know God for yourself, it makes all the difference. David, he went against Goliath. He said, I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. You see, David knew God for himself. You and I in 2024, we don't know what the future holds. Thank God we know he, he holds the future. Our challenge this morning from the word of God, the people who know their God will be strong and carry out exploits. You see how there's that shift in that verse. There are going to be those that are going to be deceived. They're going to be taken up by the flattery of man. And they're going to forsake the covenant with God. But the people. What's the difference? It's knowing God for yourself. As your pastor, I don't lord it over you. I, don't, I, I have the same access to God. Or you have the same access to God that I have. You have the same book that I have. The same Bible. This morning, I want you to commit to that simple truth of knowing God for yourself. Treasuring your relationship with God. Making it a priority. Being in church on Sunday. Being in life groups on Wednesday. Connecting with other Christians. You say, well, I'm not that type. I'm, I'm an introvert. Well, you know what? Find, find a few other introverts and you could help each other out. But, but the Bible does say, you know, we know that you've passed from death to life and that you love the brothers. You love the family of God. So if you're not connected with other people, you've got to check your relationship with God. When you love God, you're going to love people. So this morning, I want to close in prayer. I want us to sing one more time. Just sing whatever the Lord uh, lays upon your heart, and then we're going to pray. But I want you to just meditate upon this message. I want the Holy Spirit to speak to you, and then we're going to close in prayer in just one moment. I love you.